Hello and welcome to episode 83 of the British Wrestling Experience on postwrestling.com and I'm your host Martin Busby and joining me as always are Andy Ogden and Benno and how's it going fellas another month we're well into uh, the Christmas season Benno how have you been up to much this month since we last spoke? Hey, not a huge amount really yeah just looking forward to, to this Christmas season really and getting it going again it comes to have, uh, come out of nowhere I had my, uh, my work Christmas do tail end of last week which I was surprised still happened considering you know the state of the country we're in right now where like you say you can have a work Christmas do but you can't uh, apparently can't go to the office um, unless you have an office Christmas party then that sounds um, is what, what I'm told um, but yeah just trying to uh, get ready to it really having as many festive bakes as I can have I had my first vegan festive bake the other day from, from Greg, so yeah, feeling uh, feeling very Christmassy, my end. Yeah, it's um, it's a shame because I used to when I used to work um in town in in Sheffield Town, I used to work near a Greg's, and so I'd always go in there for a festive bake. Now I don't work anywhere near one, so I've got to make a special trip. So I'll definitely have to be going <laughs> and picking one of them up. And um, Andy, what about you? Obviously, you've been all over the country, you know, a variety of British shows, and um, you were you were down in London for a uh, for a gig as well, weren't you? Uh, this past month. Yeah, went went to see uh, Martin Rossiter of the former '90s band Gene. It was more our Jeff's choice than mine, so I had <laughs> to uh, suffer through 25 songs of what I've never heard before. Uh, but no, <laughs> had a good time um, in in London. Uh, seven quid a pint for San Miguel, flat as well. Oh God, not on, absolutely not on. So now I had that. I'd had my works Christmas do as well, all free drinks as well. Happy days. Um, been to horse racing at Aintree. Um, that was um, about uh, last week. Um, got pissed down on royally. Um, at least I had three or four winners, which, you know, softened the blow. But, yeah, what watching horses struggle up their own straight um, when you've got your two quid on them, it's uh, not much fun when it's, uh, when it's raining. But all in all, a good time. And, you know, plenty of wrestling been going on and, yeah, even more wrestling will be going on in the next few weeks as we, we get up to the end of the year. Yeah, we have had have some... You, uh, I was going to say, what have you been up to, Martin? I'll be polite, I'll ask you. What have you been doing? Anything good? Well, I thought you did the some... Succession podcast. That was good. Enjoyed uh, yeah, that. it was. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. Uh, obviously, you know, Succession, fantastic show. Always love talking to Davey. Uh, yeah, I had a lot of fun doing that. Um, but yeah, we have had some shocking weather, haven't we, in the past couple of weeks. We had a... Uh, that weekend of snow and obviously anyone from the UK will know that, you know, we have a smattering of uh, snow over here and everything comes to a, a grinding halt. So, and, and uh, my poor wife, Lisa, uh, got COVID, nothing too bad. She just couldn't smell for a few days, but as for that, she didn't have any other symptoms. So she was completely fine. So uh, she had to isolate for that weekend. So we ended up staying in all weekend and watching that new Beatles documentary on Disney plus. I mean, I'm a, I'm not, sorry, Benno, I'm not a diehard fan, but really, Really, really enjoyed that, and uh, it seems to be a theme of uh, Liverpoolian music for me uh, this month because I'm off to see uh, one of the best British metal bands around at the minute, Low, who were who were from Liverpool on Sunday. Yeah, so it's been um, it's been all about the Liverpool music. And Benno, I know you're a big rap fan, um, and I might be sort of right, really out of touch with this, but I discovered something called Scouse Trap as well. This. Um, <laughs> This past month, uh, yeah, some very, some very interesting, uh, very interesting um, rap coming out of uh, out of your home city. Um, what was Can't it? Uh, some of the lines, um, "I'll make your mum do my dishes" and things like that. I was having a lot of fun listening to that. Something you were, you listening, to, you were listening to Scouse Trap and Trems. That's what it is. I recognise that line. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
Um, who else is the Bally Jones? He's pretty good. Uh, a star. Yeah, there's, there's some all right. They're all, they're all they're all from pretty much the area where I live. I don't know what that says about like the area where I live, but apparently there's all kinds of uh, crime going on and feds chasing people and stuff. If you listen to the uh, the the rap lyrics, it's just funny watching like there's these rap videos out and it's like people in like three streets away from mine like on in the bread streets like rapping like it's the middle of like you know what i mean it's like it's not exactly biggie in brooklyn it's, you know, it's no. like there's a corner shop at the end and there's a greg's and a sayers you know on each end of the the street um it's not quite that what, what brought that to your attention the, the scouts trap I, I don't know it just came up in sort of like a news thing or something i don't know and then i was like scouts trap what the fuck is that and then i was obviously it's, listening to what is his name trends and so i was Trems, like yeah. to that on apple music and that yeah quite, i had quite the listening to a um, his big freestyle that he did i think there's one called i'm sure there's one called benno or he uses the nickname benno like no one don't get it twisted up listen when i was like 18 19 i might have been known to go on the old uh, yahoo chat and get into rap battles but that was a long time ago uh, i'm not that person anymore i don't uh, don't get involved in that anymore but yeah it's a, it's a whole uh, it's a whole subculture mate it's, uh, it's on the rise Oh, there you go. Open invite. Any uh, sort of like Scouse trap artists want to come on, you know, welcome anytime. Yeah, give us a new but, theme. Um, yeah, well, yeah, that'd be cracking. That about uh, your mum doing the dishes and that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Um, but I mean, before we get into sort of like stuff, um, it, I mean, have we all recovered from uh, John Pollock revealing that he's never eaten a crisp in his life? I mean, any things like that with you guys? I mean, people always gasp when I say I've never seen Top Gun or Grease, which I find quite outlandish. But um, anything from you, Andy? Is there any sort of like thing that, you know, people are quite aghast that you've never tried or sampled or anything? Not that, not I tried any think... salt and vinegar crisps? Yeah. Not I can think of. Yeah. No, I remember being... Sure. I remember being in America, like I'm, I'm being, like blowing the minds of the kids that I was I was with when I was like when I was around that time when I was like 18, 19, and they didn't know the flavor salt and vinegar. I don't know if it's now a thing in America and uh and North America or not, but I remember it being quite shocking that that was a that was a prominent crisp flavor over here. I'm not I'm not having the pollocks. I, I know I know we got a, you got a grilling already, but like surely at some point, like somebody's force fed him or you know <laughs> he's had something that's not quite a crisp, but it's close enough to a crisp. You know, like the nachos count. You know, there's, uh, there's, there's, I'm surely there's loads of there's loads of cheat options that that must have been done. Yeah, I've never I, had I nachos at a bar. One off top of my head, Martin. I've never had a Nando's. That's one thing I've never had. Oh, wow. wow, that is quite that is quite surprising. Yeah, that seems to be the thing uh, a lot of Brits are quite proud of, isn't it? Especially when Americans come over here. Here, I have this uh, factory farm chicken covered in piri piri sauce. <laughs> I've I've grown to like it more like in in later years, but it is basically yeah, they're just selling peri peri chicken. Like that's not really (laughs) that's all there is to it. It's not um, it's not this great delicacy. But like my weirdest one is I don't eat cheese. Like that's always one that always shocks people. Like I'm pretty much someone who will eat anything um with the exception of cheese i know it's a big exception it does cause a lot of problems in my life i am that dick i do loads of pizza from pizza hut or Domino's and choose the new cheese option and then get a phone call five minutes later by by a confused person making it going are you sure you meant to choose no cheese on that um but yeah that that's kind of my weird thing which i don't really know where it came from some kind of allergy or something a little bit like i'm not good with i don't really like dairy. i try to avoid dairy in general i just I found it a bit gross. Why, why are we drinking this liquid that we squeezed out of a cow? I just think it's weird. Um, but I kind of got just had that in my head since I was since I was little. And I don't know. The other thing was it was me and my little brother. Like he was a Liverpool supporter. I was an Everton supporter. He liked cheese. I didn't like cheese. I like salt and vinegar. He didn't like salt and vinegar. So there's maybe something 
built into that as well. But yeah, it's just something that I've always found gross really over years. And I'm sure I'm missing out. I reckon I'm going to turn like 50 one day and have some cheese on toast and it's going to blow my mind and change my entire world. But yeah, it is my, uh, it's the one big gap in my diet. So do you not pick, even pick the cheese option when you're uh, doing Papa John's or Domino's or whatever? I think they're even worse, Fake yeah, cheese. when it's kind of like they're, tr- they're oh, doing no, an imitation of something I don't like. Now. There's some good ones now. Now there, there's some dreadful ones because like me and uh, me and Lisa have sort of like been trying to, you know, do your part and eat less meat and things like that. Yeah, so same. we've been sampling a load of different ones. And there was one I remember we bought that was that awful that we gave it to the dogs and they literally just spat it out. <laughs> and I was like... <laughs> Well, Gareth will always say that on Grapple because he's a vegetarian, not a vegan. So like the vegetarians were, were doing it before it was cool, before it was the hipster thing to do. And a lot of like vegan food is can be very mechanical, can't it? Like, but I, I do eat a lot of it myself. I went went to Subway tonight, in fact, and had some other meatless meatball, but I still choose to not have the cheese. Yeah, like I say, imitation mm-hmm. is something I don't like, so I just don't think it's uh it, it's worth it. But uh, maybe maybe I'll find the one. Maybe one day I'll uh I'll smoke cheese. Yeah, the smoke sort of like vegan cheese is the way to go because obviously the smoking mm-hmm. of it sort of like you know you get that flavor from that. And anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the British Wrestling uh, <laughs> Vegan Podcast. But uh, anyway, shall we? Uh, shall we get into some actual wrestling? But um, yeah, because yeah, <laughs> let's do a whole podcast on uh, you know what what's the best vegan food to well, buy. We've been but, doing um, this for five years, Martin. I think we've given them enough. I think. Uh, yeah. I think yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is this where you have finally and you're noticing Benno? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, rest is dead. Too much Brit rest, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah, because obviously Red Pro have been doing tons of shows this year, aren't they? And um, you know, we've had uh, quite a few shows and uh, news bits to talk about since we last spoke. Cause um we did briefly mention the British Shake Up had happened the last time we recorded, but it had not made the VOD service quite yet. And um that was on the sixth of November at the Craig Gordon Theatre in Stevenage. Uh, a one-night tournament with four first-round matches leading into a four-way main event with the winner receiving a trophy and shot of the Red Pro Cruiserweight Championship. And this year's final saw Mike Bailey versus Connor Mills versus Luke Japiums versus Cruiserweight Champion Michael Oku. And while I'm a fan of the previous British J-Cup tournaments, I've always felt the final's been the weakest part of the card, you know, with the first-round singles matches usually being the strongest part of the shows. But this year, I thought the final was pretty good. I, I felt like I've... I feel like I've not seen a Mike Bailey match for ages. Maybe the Cave Show way back in 2019, but Bailey was the star of this for me. Not seeing him in a long time, so all this stuff felt really fresh and, you know, obviously really wince-inducing seeing the things he puts his poor knees through. And interesting seeing him face off against the likes of Luke Jacobs here. And, and he ended up winning the match and a shot of Michael Oku. Uh, what did you think to this uh, final under British J-Cup, Andy? Yeah, no, I thought I thought it was an excellent match. I would have gone about four and a quarter on it. I thought it was it was about 20, 20 25 minutes long, and action didn't stop during it. Um, I thought there was this obviously teased a bit with Michael Michael Olku, didn't he? I think he pinned uh, Connor Mills, um, so adds a bit to, to their storyline. Um, I thought it was good good uh, showcase for Luke Jacobs. Obviously, he's now on his own because. Ethan's out for a long, long time. So interesting to see what they do with him going forward. And I think it's probably someone who could add something to their cruiserweight division. But I was I was surprised to see him in the um like in the final two against Bailey. Obviously Bailey was gonna win. 
Um, they, they also had a match on the, I think it was the Huntingdon show. Um, or, or no, it was the um, 229 show the night after um, Bailey and Jacobs, which is well worth a watch. It's only like 10 minutes long. Bailey won. But um, no, I thought, I thought it was really good. Really good. Um, the only thing that wasn't really good was uh, Andy Quilden's shouty commentary with uh, Gideon Gray. <laughs> I think they were taking a page out of uh, Shepard and McGuinness's book. Mm, yeah, they can, it can be. Some, yeah, you do notice sometimes with Andy Q, you're having to uh, turn your telly down. I don't know if that's more the the production behind the sounding or what. But um, but anyway, what was your thoughts on this uh, on this main event for the J Cup? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Like, I, I, you see the runtime at like thirty odd minutes, and you kind of think, oh no, <laughs> like how are they going to yeah. fill thirty minutes? But they do. To be honest, it's uh, kind of like a it doesn't really stop. It's like an all action kind of big move fest in part, but then it has kind of got that structure inherent to it because it's an elimination match um, that makes it work. You know, you get your big spots like, you know, Oku jumping off the stage and, you know, the the, the fun kind of back and forth. There was a couple, there was one that kind of went a bit wrong where it kind of looked like, I think Mike Bailey was supposed to move out of the way of Luke Jacobs, I think, or it was, or it was Connor on the floor. He didn't quite, but I kind of liked the, you know, the timing of it that like everyone was kind of involved in these creative spots and it, it did felt like a bit of a, a breath of fresh air really and it was just a, a lot of fun um i think I, I agree with your sentiments it was just cool to see mike bailey again like that is i'm not saying he's a wrestler who wouldn't work in a big room or who wouldn't work in you know a, a massive company but what a great wrestler he is in a small room like we've all been there you know live at shows and winced when he in you know inevitably uh misses something and, and smashes his own knees to bits that's kind of his uh his standard spot but that and his kicks and his offense in general do let lend themselves really well to to smaller rooms and yeah i thought he came across great it was great to see him mixing it up with these lads and i thought especially i thought it was inspired to to have luke jacobs and him be the final two like i, I really do think uh you know Andy's mentioned there the singles match these two had, and I came out of this wanting to see that singles match. So I think I, you know, we'll go back and watch that um, because it it was just refreshing to see you know Luke Jacobs, somebody you you know we're all high on and we all expect a lot from in the future, and we can all say oh you know these young lads need veterans to work with, but they do, and and a Mike Bailey, you know who better you know to work with a, a young talent like Luke Jacobs. So I was eating up every exchange between these two, you know, in the in the last five minutes or so, and. You know, it was a perfect kind of uh, styles matchup as well to see the two of them. And it showed to me that, you know, Rev Pro, Andy Quilden and whoever's, you know, helping hang, had put this book in together is identifying that, yeah, you know, okay, Oku and Connor Mills are, you know, a, a great talents in Rev Pro and Oku's going to be main event in the York Hall show coming up. But let's give this this mini push or this little spot to Luke Jacobs and let him shine and I thought he did and despite not winning he was kind of my biggest impression coming out of this match I think anybody who saw it would think the same thing What's the latest with Bailey? Is he I mean he's allowed to work in the US again isn't he right? I mean it wasn't all talk of him you know maybe appearing in AEW and stuff. Impact it is I believe he signed the contract with them Right. Um, I know they're a Canadian company, so I think maybe that makes things easier. I 
was under the impression things were going to... I don't know. I can't remember whether it's official or not, but I think he is going to be able to work in, in the US via Impact. I'm sure Meltzer um, reported that. Um, either way, you know, a big company like Impact should be able to help him in the in the same way that, you know, AEW helped the, the Super Smash Brothers. And yeah, I did see some people a bit disappointed that it's Impact he's ended up in, but, you know, Mike Bailey's uh, struggled for a long time as far as finding places to work. So if it's Impact who are the ones to help him, then, you know, he'll snatch the hands off and, and he should. Plus, with their sort of schedule, he might be able to come over here for more mm. extended periods and stuff. And like you said, he's perfect to work with all this young talent and, and that with the experience he's got. So, yeah, it'd be great to see him back over here. But just before we move on to the York Call show, did uh, we all see the Joe with Suji against Big Damo with Suji busting out a shooting star press? I mean, what did we all think of that? I mean, Andy, did you did you see Suji? I mean, it, it looked a bit uh, Brock Lesnar at uh, WrestleMania, didn't it? Yeah, um, I didn't. I didn't see the old match. I seen the um, like the gif, uh, the gif of it, and yeah, he, he was like Brock Lesnar nearly landing on his head. Um, but obviously, he got the chance at um, your call to try and do it, but he's like, oh, maybe <laughs> not. <laughs> maybe all these special occasions. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but um, obviously, Red Pro returned to your call for the second time this year on the 21st of November for Uprising. Uh, Andy, you were there live, me and Ben, I watched on the VOD. Uh, Andy, a lot's been made of Osprey and Show Rumino not being interesting enough to headline at your call show, and initially it seemed like a disappointing turnout. I mean, you were there live. How was it in terms of attendance? Uh, I hear that you know a lot more people came in just as the first bell was ringing. Yeah, so so um, as soon as I got through the uh, two lines of your call security, as um, helpful as ever, them them. Lads. Can you imagine what that's going to be like when you've got a show a COVID passport? <laughs> <laughs> Bloody hell! Um, but um, now when I walk through the doors into like the um, into the your call, like fuck me, where is everyone? Is it? It's like that that John Travolta gif where he's just like got his hands out, like where is it? <laughs> Where are they? Um, so yeah, I were having visions like, bloody hell, there's only going to be a couple hundred here. And I, I will say around the Bethnal Green area that day, in, like in the Dundee Arms and Mother Kelly's, which are generally like busy on them days, it was fa- like fairly quiet. Um, but now, thankfully, um, it filled up a bit. I would say there was about about four and a half, five hundred in there. So. Nice to see people turned up, but yeah, no, what I was a bit worried. One thing I will point out, though, the uh, the barbecue, even though because there were less people there, the barbecue were much easier. What once you got in the right barbecue and the right bar person, ah, <laughs> you learn that. Yeah, you do indeed. Yeah, you've got to find the uh, and also the right timing when to go. Yeah, because watching on the VOD after seeing sort of like people say the attendance weren't that great, it didn't look all that bad. I mean, we're not going to go through the whole card, but it, the show started with Andy Quilden addressing the crowd for the for the induction of Ryan Smile into the Red Pro Hall of Fame. He's the, he's the first entrant in here, and Smile, who sadly died last year at the age of thirty one, he, he appeared a number of times for Red Pro and was a regular at the likes of Southside, OTT, and, and many other promotions. And he's a partner Alex Windsor who was introduced here as Alice Smile came out before we got a video tribute, including the likes of Chris Brooks, Kenny Omega, Pete Dunn. 
Dan Maloney, Ozzy Open, Will Ospreay, Flash Morgan Webster, Kip Sabian, Kid Lycos and Shane Strickland, all sharing memories of working with Ryan and, and what it was like being his friend. And then Alice also said some words and Andy said they were going to have a 10-bell salute, not only for Ryan, but uh, two Red Pro fans who sadly passed away, Ian Edmonds and and Michael Pierce, and the whole roster came out for the 10-bell salute. And Benno, I thought this was really, really well done and a, and a great job by Red Pro to pay tribute to Ryan here. Yeah, one of the best things Red Pro have ever done, I'd say. Um, I put the show on knowing, you know, we were reviewing this and didn't realise it was going to be first up when, you know, yeah, uh, Andy in the ring with his uh, good evening, your call line. And, you know, I thought Andy was just doing uh, was just doing his intro and we went straight into this. And it, I really was blown away by it. I wasn't, I hadn't really read much on it. I wasn't aware of the list of names they got, like you say, you know, bringing in a Chris Brooks, the fact that, you know, they were able to get Kenny Omega to do it. Um, the fact that they were, you know, even able to get, WWE contracted people like like Pete Dunne and Flash Morgan Webster um, involved as well. It was just, it was just a really really classy piece. You could see, you know, um, Alex Winter was was moved by it. Um, you know, being in the ring and being there live. I think there were all the relatives of, uh, of Ryan Smile there outside the ring with uh, with Osprey and Aussie Open, and it just generally just was a, a really nice classy scene. People might might you know chortle at the idea of a you know a hall of fame from a, a brit res indie company but i think this was absolutely you know the way to do it absolutely the person you know to end up first if they do this once a year and you know it's just a different person from rev pro history i think that'll be really good but you know even if it was just a, a means to to do this and you know give you know ryan smile a send-off and allow you know the people that love them in the wrestling industry to tell a couple of stories and and talk about him it was just it was just really well done from from start to finish right through to the the town bell salute with all all the fans out there all the wrestlers out there and as you say the tribute to the two fans um ian and michael as well like just uh really really classy stuff and definitely applaud rev pro for it what was it like uh the atmosphere in the building uh andy i imagine it was quite emotional yeah no i, I probably agree with what with what Benno said, I, I think I, I, I'm clouded by you know sometimes re- wrestling promotions are never are never classy, but this this was really like spot on and uh, like a perfect opening to the show. I think I mentioned to you yesterday though, Martin, um, some of the production value on the video uh, weren't, weren't so great because um, um, I think it was Pete Dunn's bits. It was just a, a zoomed in um, head, a zoomed in video of his head. So all you could see was Pete Dunn's head um, talking. Couldn't see his mouth moving, but uh, th- then bits aside, I-, I thought it was I thought it was really good of Red Pro to um, to do that for uh, Ryan Smile. And no, the um, atmosphere in the arena was um, you know very complimentary of it. Yeah, and um, and obviously, you know, that's after Alex Windsor for you know keeping it together. So I imagine that was obviously very emotional for her, but. Um... Onto onto the main show itself, and uh, we had Mike Bailey against Mike Loku for the Cruiserweight Championship. We discussed earlier Bailey won this title shot by winning the British J Cup, and Oku's partner Connor Mills was with him at ringside. As Andy pointed out earlier, that you know they've been partners for a while now, and you know they're teasing some dissension between them. But some great stuff in this. I mean, started off super quick. Bailey hitting that brainbuster, following up with that super quick moonsault to the outside that always looks amazing. I mean, some great stuff from Bailey here. Uh, you know, he made a number of attempted corkscrew shooting star press a number of times coming up short. Really sick, even when Bailey missed the moonsault double knees on the ramp. And Oku was great again as the never say die champion, you know, taking all of Bailey's offense and even kicking out of Bailey's finisher. Um, 
after eventually getting him in the half crab for the win and a really good match and uh, another big name victory for Elko here, Benno. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, we all kind of looked at this card going in and kind of said, ah, it's kind of missing something on top. But what we weren't criticising was the undercard, you know, and the undercard looked fun. And, you know, a match. this was kind of the pick of the undercard matches as far as, you know, what would maybe steal the show as far as being match of the night. And, yeah, and probably no surprise from watching that four-way going into it that these two would, would have some chemistry. And and they did. And, you know, I, I joked earlier about, you know, Mike Bailey's stuff with his, you know, he misses the double knees and, you know, everyone winces at it but it, it worked really well here because it, it worked into you know Tuoku's half crab finish and they could you know make that make logical sense you know as far as a, a story goes throughout the match and yeah I just thought you know they, they gelled really well Um, it was really well worked really well paced and I thought the the story stuff, as you mentioned there, that was one big note of mine. The the Connor Mill stuff does feel like it's still happening in some form, you know, in the background, even down to, you know, Oku's using some of Mill's moves. You know, I think that that's gonna gonna play into this. And you know, you've got Mills there as a as kind of as kind of there to, to you know to tease that as far as um, potential dissension with them going forward. And that's a that's a fun little story as well, um, that you can do too. But yeah, I thought it was a, a fun little match. It was kind of the type of match that was maybe missing from the last um your course show it didn't feel like it had a, a great kind of undercard match as good as those uh those two you know semi and main events were where last time out and yeah this was really a exactly what you'd want a 3.75 to to four star match from from two very good wrestlers and like you say another strong win for, for michael oku and a, a great way really yeah to to bring in an import like mike bailey and have him you know have him around for, for the jacob and get your money's worth out of him there get him on a couple of smaller shows and then yeah you know pay it off with a with a big york hall show so yeah that's the type of import i think you want going forward and yeah let's hope he's there not the last well, you, Andy, what was it like in the building, the atmosphere and everything for this match? Yeah, no, no, it were excellent. And I thought as well, watching it back on, on VOD, the um, atmosphere translated just just as good. Um, yeah, no, I would say we might, Mike Bailey, he never has a bad match. I can't, I can't remember the last time I seen him have a bad match, but yeah, he's, he, I think his knees are a bit like dust at this moment, especially that that one where he did the double knees on the uh, on the rampway, and mm. he just all he got was a ramp. Was ah, that was that was disgusting. That, but no, I thought I thought it was an excellent match. I, I think I'd have it up there, you know, similar level as the um, RKJ Osprey match. And oh, my, we, we've waxed lyrical about Michael Oku over the last couple of months, and. Yeah, once again, he's proved like he's, you know, he's probably in the top, one of the top five on the scene at the moment. I did expect, though, at the end of the match, um, you know, the, the Connor Mills turn, like, oh, they're going up the rampway, it's probably going to level him now and send still nothing. I think it's a good thing that Rev Pro are sort of like elongating it out um, till the eventual Till the eventual turn, I think we'll get into it in a bit. But the um, Oku Osprey like um, promo battle, and it, Oku sort of like pushes Mills out of the way, and so, so that's a, that's another little thing to add to the um, add to the few. But yeah, no, but with Oku and Bailey, yeah, spot on for me, spot on. Yeah, there's been a lot of like teasing, hasn't there, with um, this partnership between uh, Oku and. Uh... And Connor Mills, and you know they are going to have an eventual split. I think it's something we'll see maybe after the Osprey Oku match in January. But on to um, the tag team championships, we had Aussie Open against Roy Knight and Zach Knight, the uh, Dan Lad combo here. I mean, 
for those unfamiliar with Zack Knight, he's the oldest son of the Knight family and obviously Paige's older brother. He's been wrestling since the 90s. No stranger to your call here, is he? He's appeared a bunch of times way back in the early 2000s for the FWA. And fair to say, he's now mainly for brawling. Ricky Knight Jr. Um, in this match saying he'll never challenge Osprey for the title again if he loses. And there was, there was some all right stuff in this match. Just fun for me to see Roy Knight again in, in your call. And Aussies and RKJ are always good on these Red Pro shows. But we had a really, really dodgy DQ about seven minutes into the match with Kyle Fletcher in Ricky Knight Jr. with the tag belt behind the ref's back, only for Roy to grab it from Kyle and hit Davis in full view of the ref causing a DQ. However, we got another ref coming out saying it was Kyle that introduced the belt, so the match should be restarted as a no-DQ match. And, you know, we did get some wild brawling with chairs, drawing pins, tables, you know, the sort of match you'd typically see when Roy's teaming with his brother in the hooligans. And Ricky Knight Jr. picked up the win in the tag belts following a driver into drawing pins. And, yeah, some fun brawling in this, but the DQ shenanigans letting the air out of the match for me, I thought. I mean, um, where do you see this tag title belt thing going with these two you know we're going to see um an extended tag belt run from these um you know obviously rkj's got unfinished business with osprey as well hasn't he Bennett? yeah i mean it we don't know for certain but if it, it did feel didn't it like this with this match was plan b um that presumably young guns and aussie open would have been the your call match and presumably if aussie open added to japan or elsewhere or whatever needed to drop the belts you know, Young Guns are an established tag team in, in Rev Pro, and uh, you know, as we just said, then the kind of the next big thing. And yeah, if Ethan wasn't injured, I think they would have that would have been the spot here, and I think the show would have benefited from the ma- that match. Instead, we kind of got this makeshift team. I've kind of, I was lukewarm on it going in, and I, I don't know if it's anyone's fault, but I, the whole thing was a bit of a mess, wasn't it? Um, I think the booking was a mess. Um, I don't. I just, uh, maybe you know I think maybe you've hit it there Martin the reason they did the you know the false finish at you know six odd minutes and, and came back was that the you know to do something in you know run out comfort zone and, and do a bit of a more of a a wild brawl for the second half of the match but I think it did kind of just hurt the flow of things and if that wasn't enough I think you know Roy Knight getting you know some form of injury in here or you know kind of falling out of the match and Ricky having to carry the last few minutes of it that kind of killed it dead at that point so it was just yeah chaos really and not in a in a good way um and then you end up with with like you say dad and lad which is a, a great name for the for the team um <laughs> with the belts um and they do feel like you know i can't see there being a real great long-term story with them as champions but it, it felt a bit like needs must and you know it's a it's an idea, you know, to to put uh, Ricky Knight Jr. with his dad, you know, and I'll, I'll say to his credit, his dad doesn't look like he should be uh, able to have a son at the age of uh, of Ricky Knight Jr., <laughs> who's as good as Ricky Knight Jr. is at, at this point as well. But yeah, it just feels like a bit of a plan B, really, and yeah, almost like you know they've been forced into this corner rather than something that's a particularly exciting, uh, fresh idea. What did you think of this match, Andy? Do you think they should have just made it a DQ to begin with rather than having sort of like the the silliness with the referees. Yeah, it should have been no DQ from the start. I think when that when that DQ happened and like being there live, like bloody hell, that that is a DQ. Like it's only like five six minutes into the match, mm. and then when the read started, I thought, oh, this is a bit of bit of bollocks, isn't it? Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I pro- I'd agree with what Ben all said. Um, it was a bit of a mess, even even live. Um, I it was a great, like great effort from. Like Ricky Knight Jr. throughout the match, he he's the one who 
who really stood out. But now they do, they do feel like maybe one, two months champions. But looking at the tag division now, now Aussie Open are going back home, and obviously the young guns, um, you know, being out. Um, you're probably left with Sunshine Machine and the Legion, aren't you? So yeah, yeah, very slim pickings there, as in terms of a tag division. When the tag division has been like one of the big highlights of uh, Red Pro's year, it's just a, it's a shame. It's probably turning turning out not so good now. Bad timing, isn't it? Yeah, when you put it like that, you know, losing the top team Aussie Open, using losing young guns, and obviously for story around reasons, Mills and Oku have been killing in tags. Probably aren't going to be much for this world. Yeah, that's it. They've been it's kind of been the highlight of those two two nine shows, hasn't it? Like every it feels like every month there's been another like tag banger, and yeah, just bad luck all around. I think. So are the Aussies going back to Australia then? Because they still seem to be in the UK for the time being. I mean, we all thought they were going to New Japan, but that doesn't seem to be happening anytime soon, does it? Yeah. I I, I mean, reading between the lines, it feels like, you know, especially with them, not even just, you know, being aligned with Osprey and Pro, the fact they've got the United Empire gear and all of that felt like they were going to be going over. But obviously with the, the flight situation in Japan being what it is right now, and, you know, as far as bringing in people who, who aren't native to Japan, or don't currently have a visa, I'd imagine that's up in the air. Um, mm. But I don't know. I don't, say, you know, as we've just said, that the, the Rev Pro Tag Division right now was on flight. You know, it was on fire, and now it's running on fumes. And if you knew you were keeping Aussie Open around, I think you keep the belts on them. So I think maybe that tips what the plan might have been. You know, whether those plans are going to change. <laughs> This would be a great time for a uh, Red Pro to get sort of like a private party or someone like that on an extended sort of like thing, you know, someone like that who aren't doing a great deal sort of like over it or some kind of US tag or whatever like that to get them over here on an extended run, wouldn't it? Yeah, definitely offer, offering something fresh because I'm trying to think like, you know, do we have teams elsewhere and they might know Northern Promotions, anybody really that stands out that could could come into Red Pro and offer them something fresh? Not that I could think it'd fit a, a red mm. pro a red pro style of thing. But you know, like mm. what the young the young guns fitted the red pro yeah. style. I don't think there is that sort of sort of team. Maybe, maybe a cra- crash bolt could do something. Um mm. but I think I don't think their style fits red pro. Mm. Yeah, well, yeah, it's not looking good, is it, really, for the tag division? But um on to the main event as um, Osprey says he's putting the real IWGP title on the line here against Shota Umino and Osprey. I mean, obviously, we've talked ad nauseum, so could have a match, a good match with a broom. But then we talked last month, and we have talked before. There's something about Umino not just landing with me and, and you know, a variety of other fans. And there was some fun stuff in here, but there was never a chance Umino was winning here. And I wasn't biting on any of the Death Rider near falls. Uh, decent match, but obviously, I think Oku v Bailey was the best match on the card for me, Benno. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it makes sense on paper, doesn't it? You know, Shota Numero is kind of the one, well, one of two now um, Japanese imports. We've got. Let's be the first company to go with him. Let's make him kind of our guy. But you need the wrestler to hold up his end as well. Um, and it's not like he's been bad, is it? He's just not that interesting. Um, you know, unless he is carrying around John Moxley's jacket and kind of been it being his second. I mean, maybe that was you know something in the plans before you know the world change and before you know the issue with Moxley. Maybe if, if Moxley had came over at some point, imagine that on a York Hall show, then we'd probably be singing the uh, the praises of uh, of Shota Rumino, but. Yeah, it was never a York or main event. You know, I watched it and 
you know, I think if I was there alive in the building, would I have bought any near fall in this thing? I don't mm. think so. Um, watching it, know, you know, knowing the results as well did make it hard to kind of uh, invest it in, in any real way. Show to know as that as an equal to Osprey, but Osprey did his best. And, you know, I think most notably for me was seeing, you know, Osprey, who was himself not long ago, a, a young boy in, in the New Japan system, be that guy who then plugs in a new younger boy, Shota Umino, into that New Japan main event style. And, you know, he did as good a job as you could do with it. Shota was, I think it's a low praise to say as good as he's, as he's looked recently, but he still didn't look that good. Um, yeah, and it was, you know, I think there was something to be said for the finishing sequence with, you know, with Osprey pretty much having to, to kill Shota to beat him. But yeah, I just kind of feel like, and, you know, maybe Andy can speak to it if I was there live. I don't think the result would have ever been in doubt. I would have said, you know, I got myself a three and a half star, you know, solid enough main event that went long enough to make me feel like I suppose I got my uh, my pennies worth with it, but was it a York Hall main event? It didn't look like it going in and coming out. It it kind of felt like one that, yeah, let's just let's just forget about this. And I don't think we'll be uh, talking about it in the uh, in the company of uh, the many other fantastic York Hall main events or even the one that's coming up. Um, Andy, in terms of sort of like the two Japanese young boys that they have got over, you know, once he's done with the likes of the Gideon Greys and that, do you think it's going to be Yoasuji who, who shines in, in this excursion? I, th- I think I think it will be. He's got a chance as well, unlike Shota Umi, you know. Um, <laughs> well, no, I was just thinking then, it just come to me then, uh, like for the tag division, they could easily have like Shota and Yota could be, a, could be a, like a random team they stick together, but no, nah, I, th- I think Yolta Suji's been miles better than Shota Umino on this excursion. But ne- I, but I, I do have to say this was probably Shota Umino's best, best match he's had, uh, much better than the uh, Ricky Knight Jr. match at Victoria Warehouse. Mm-hmm. Um, the result were never in doubt, to be honest, but... I think when 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 you're about five or six pints deep and you see like a, a near a, near, a couple of near falls, you're like, oh, he, he might actually win this, and but nah, be, being truthful, it was never in doubt the results. And I think Shorter Umino on the next couple of shows, it, I think this past weekend he was facing JJ Gale, so it's like going from facing Man City to going facing. <laughs> uh, I think I think they really fucked it though when like they. Said that I think Osprey said in the line, didn't he? That you know, he was putting the uh, you know, his alleged um, New Japan title on the line in this one, and it was like, okay, can anyone pitch a show to? I know, I know New Japan's struggling, and I know they'll put it, they're known to put like evil in main events, but is he really going to be main event on January the 5th? You know, I think that kind of <laughs> put that put any kind of nail in a coffin of like some kind of upset and I'd show it to become a British champion, but yeah, I don't know, maybe there's a other more interesting matches there I'm not thinking of. Well, after the match, Oku came out and called for a title match in Osprey, didn't he? And then this has been subsequently announced for the January 29th York Hall show and should be an absolutely cracking match. I mean, they had a great match in Southampton that we talked about on a previous show. Plus, Oku's been great all year and, you know, really, really looking forward to that one, uh, Andy. Oh, yeah, certainly. I think I said last month, like, Oh, that that's a bona fide uh, York Hall main event in a couple of months, that one. And uh, lo and behold, it's uh, happening. Yeah, nah, it, it, it's probably going to go half an hour, balls to the wall. Fucking York Hall will be standing on the feet and Brit Rest is alive again. <laughs> <laughs> Any yeah, chance that Oku beats Osprey, Benu? 
better chance than Shota, I think. I probably still not, but you look at that Rev Pro roster, is there aren't really many people you could say could be, you know, the next British champion. RKJ is kind of the only one that mm. that stands out. Um, but it does it feels more plausible, doesn't it? Like unlike Shota, you know, it's Michael Oak, who's clearly a star on the rise, clearly someone the Rev Pro fans are, are getting behind. I am surprised they kind of in the match already um, mm. on, on the smaller show but at Southampton it was on and, mm. I, and I know they you know they went close to, to doing a, a draw and kept Oku strong but you know you would think if this was the plan they wouldn't have done that um, but you know again uh, this isn't exactly you know Keith Lee Tomohiro Ishii or you know those those kind of guys in, in big your call matches but there's something to be said for yeah the, the the hot younger talent up against you know the main event act um, and I think they can they can talk people into the building with this one if uh, if the promos they've done so far or anything to go by and just the yeah the general buzz around Oku I think if you put that in the main event and you know stack the card with some some fun matches on the undercard I think that's a, maybe a more tantalising proposition than than this card look for a lot of people. Yeah, because keeping with Osprey, obviously he's due to appear at Wrestle Kingdom in Japan, isn't he? But it seems to be called into doubt with Japan changing its restriction and, and not allowing foreigners to come into the country. However, President Takami Boa said that foreign wrestlers who have visas should be able to participate, and Osprey has tweeted out that he'll be there. Uh, loads of moving parts in the IWGP title scene. Uh, what potential matches could you see at Wrestle Kingdom for uh, Osprey, Andy? Well... It's probably Okada in it. It's like the obvious one. Is it? Is he facing anyone on January fifth? I think that's the date they put out. You know. Yeah, they've not announced an opponent for him. I don't think have they, Benno? I don't believe so. I think this is showing how all invested we are in New Japan at this point. So yeah. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'd still watch that like a sort of like a big sort of like match between Osprey Okada or you know obviously Osprey and. Um, and Shingo always have good matches, but it just seems all, all to be quite messy in that IWGP title scene at the minute. But I, th- I think it, I, th- I found it quite strange that he's going to be back in the UK for a pro on January the 29th. I thought if he's making it out to Japan, he might stay out there for a bit. But I suppose after sort of the Wrestle Kingdom show, they don't they don't have a great deal going on in January, do they, Bennett? No, not really. Usually the stuff with CMLL, and I know they've had... Um... Big talk about you know re- rejuvenating relationships with different promotions and doing stuff similar to that Noah show in uh, in early January. But yeah, um, interesting that Osprey will be back here. Um, but uh, yeah, like you said before, plausibly I could see him. You know, at some point not being able to to come back this much. Um, if if he is able to you know to get to Japan a, a bit easier and you know his schedule gets a bit busier, so I suppose we should uh, just enjoy it while we can. And uh, moving away from Red Pro and on to uh, NXT UK, uh, not much to shout about in ring-wise from NXT UK. But there was a good match between Aiken and Sam Gradwell. Aiken had him decent matches whenever he appears for the promotion. And Gradwell was fun during his, promo- no, his promos on Ilya Dragunov earlier in this year. Uh, quite a short match, but um, uh, well worked and uh, quite a fun match for uh, this month of uh, NXT UK, Andy. Yeah, no, no, it was, it was a brilliant opener to that to that episode. Um Obviously, A Kids uh, one of one of the uh, people on NXT UK who've uh, they've sort of improved. Uh, Gradwell is always someone who uh, stands out when he's when he's on camera. Shame it, shame he didn't actually uh, win this match because I'm always like, oh, can't can't they have a bit of a change? But I will say for Gradwell, uh, they've put him in a more bigger spotlight over the last couple of weeks. Of um, we like Noam Dar, he lost. 
uh, Gradwell lost in a British rounds match. Um, I think it was a two-one as a, as per as per the score every mm. week. Um, but he faced like Shia Samuels this week and actually got a victory for a change. So uh, looks like they might be doing something with uh, with Sam Gradwell. He's, he's he was always good when um, when I saw him live at GPW and he was the one they'd always stick the the like the NXT UK guys against. Um, each like couple of months, uh, but now nah, enjoyed his work on um, on our brand uh, with a kid. They're um, moving him to a match against uh, Ben's uh, favourite, uh, Ben Hall's favourite, uh, Nathan Fraser. That's for like a number one contender uh, for the British, like the uh, Heritage Cup against uh, Norm Dar eventually. So who knows? Uh, Mr. Fraser might have some uh, food on the table at last. <laughs> deserves it he's looking gaunt um, <laughs> I thought you know the one thing that stuck out to me about this A-Kid Sam Gradwell match was like it, it did feel you know the way like NXT 2.0 is like you know whatever it is now it's, it's a lot of people playing dress up and doing gimmicks isn't it yeah. but uh, you know overall the, the style has moved from you know what the NXT proper golden black style was where it was kind of big indie matches to it does feel like everyone's kind of slotting into you know what a main roster WWE presentation would be in some ways it could cut Sam Grabwell the way it was worked it did feel like an altogether different style didn't it it was kind of hard hitting and you know creative and you know a kid's kind of got his own you know kind of unique style with his you know his weird counters and bridges and stuff it, it just felt quite a kind of like like a rugged version of the WWE style like if I do think like if if they leaned into that kind of match more like we kind of said coming out to, to Walter and Ilya not that this was exactly like that but you know a more unique presentation of what this is there were little glimpses of like yeah you could actually have something interesting here rather than you know just being NXT Junior or or whatever it is now. I mean, Lord knows how long it'll last once uh, once you know the uh, the big Khan gets his, uh, his spreadsheets out and notices all those NXT UK names. <laughs> things will probably change and it'll probably you know get splashed like the uh, the Art Attack logo and NXT UK will be NXT UK two point oh. But yeah, I did think it was, it was kind of interesting to watch. It was like yeah, I don't think the the big biggins in uh, in WWE are actually aware of you know what type of style these these lads seem to be learning there it was a it was the type of match that like, like a regal would be proud of you know and i, I don't know if that's necessarily mm. what they're, they're actually doing in in proper nxt now yeah it's weird isn't it because you will just get these matches that don't seem to fit like you said walter Lear, and then this one and then i think we've had a couple of us or a kid against earlier and that and they don't seem to fit in sort of like the traditional wwe style and it makes me think that like you said i don't think you know, as much as they might have their agents and things like that, I think they might get, you know, a bit more leeway in terms of like what, you know, they're just like, oh yeah, go out there and have a 10 minute match sort of thing, maybe. Mm. Well, I suppose keeping with NXT UK and uh, Flash Morgan Webster has announced that he's been fighting off an injury for the past three years and has decided to finally get his torn labrum fixed. Obviously, no one wants to see wrestlers out engine, obviously wish Flash the best in his recovery from surgery, but do you think there's anything to read into the fact that he's held off on this for three years and now he's getting it fixed? Because, I mean, Andy, you're going to talk more about the BWR show that happened this month in a bit. That had an appearance from Joseph Connors, who seems to be done with NXT UK after releasing a promo video on his, on his social media. And, and Andy, you think we're going to see people slowly and surely leave the brand rather than it being sort of like one big shutdown that we maybe thought was going to happen? Yeah, it's probably all going to be on the hush-hush because... Um... I mean, 
like T Bone, he's turned up on a couple of shows. I think one in Cheltenham, he's doing one for a Top Rope Wrestling Academy in Burnley, which is like Shake Helsham's training school. Uh, Nina Samuels turned up at Pro Wrestling Eve uh, this past weekend, but in a dark match against Charlie Morgan, meaning it wasn't on their um, YouTube showing. So, yeah, um, he do, he, oh, and Wolf, Wolfgang as well, um, one of the bearded lads from Scotland, he's um, appearing for ICW, I think, I think it was this past weekend or next weekend. But, yeah, no, I think it's, it's all going to be a bit hush-hush, but it's... It, it just got me thinking of the film Brassed Off, where, where they're all crossing the picket line and they're all calling them scabs, <laughs> going back working over there and what have you. Uh, <laughs> what an analogy. <laughs> <laughs> but no, um, I don't know that, you know, if they do come back to the scene, they, they might add something, you know, from a veteran wise things like Josie Connors. He'll, He'll add something from that sort of thing, but as a draw, not 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 really. I think I think the only names I'll, I'd add something coming from that end is Trent and Tyler and your Ilias and your Daddy Walters of this this uh, parish. Yeah. Um, uh, you speak too soon. Joseph Connors has sold one ticket. Martin's um, have you already bought them or? <laughs> 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 do we mourn his, uh, his NXT UK career what could have been Martin you know your favorite oh, right there, yeah. oh yeah he's like them street <laughs> fights he could have been having with the likes of uh, yeah I don't know I, well, it's, it's funny because obviously you mentioned they're like T-Bone and the likes but they're hardly on TV every week they were, you know Connors was actually on TV every week weren't he with Ginny and they seem to have something going on there but I don't know if Ginny is sort of like US bound or whatever and it's, it's sort of like when what do you I, I mean obviously Flash did hold off the surgery for three years, didn't you, Benno? So, it, you know, obviously he's decided now whether it's got really bad for him or whether he's, like, seen the writing on the wall in terms of what's happening with uh, NXT UK. Maybe he finally realised he wasn't going to main event WrestleMania. Maybe the panic dropped. Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but I just uh, wish him well. Hopefully, hopefully he'll get well soon, please. Um, but I just think... Yeah, it does feel like there's something going on there. Like you say, a lot of people being allowed to do other things. You know, I think the story of tonight's NXT UK episode was Trent Seven talking out loud about if Mustache Mountain don't win the NXT UK t- titles, what's he going to do next? You know, um, a kind of midlife crisis t- type of uh, <laughs> type of story. Um, yeah, I-, I think we are going to probably see, you know, lesser case of, I think you've nailed it there, lesser case of a big, you know, release day, uh, like transfer deadline day, like we've had with uh, with proper NXT and proper WWE, and just more a case of as these contracts expire, it's going to be a case of well, do we actually see a history? You know, back, you know, was Joseph Connors ever going to make it to Monday Night Raw? Probably not. Could he have made it to NXT? Plausibly, but I think even that got, that get, that door is closing, isn't it? You know, what they want on on NXT proper now is former athletes. We're seeing it, you know, with this this uh, this new system they've got where they're you know signing up all the uh, the college uh, athletes and you know signing them to developmental developmental deals. And it's very clear we've moved back into you know the Johnny Ace days for short haircuts, you know, trunks and real athletes and bikini models. That's kind of where we're we're going back, and you know. The Scottish lads with beards and you know the four foot tall Brit res wrestlers that they've got on on this show aren't gonna aren't gonna fit that bill. So there isn't really a clear path. Well, 
pathway anymore, even if you know it was going to be hard in the first place for, for those types of guys. So I think that's going to keep happening. I think we're going to have a lot of quiet releases. We're going to have a lot of Joseph Connors esque promos where it's all about how oh, we all we all knew it. You know, NXT UK wasn't as uh, good as we were sold, but now yeah, you'll see me with the shackles off. Now I'm I'm breaking out of prison, which is a you know a problematic um, image here when you're talking about NXT UK. But we're going to get a lot of that. We're going to get a lot of uh, Moxley um, takeoff type promos, and we're going to get a lot of those guys, I think, because really, you know, outside of filling content for BT, which you can do with a, with a skeleton staff, what are we keeping, you know, these people on contract for? If you WWE, they're probably not even going to make it to NXT. They're definitely not going to make it to Raw or SmackDown. So, you know, why are we paying these people? I think that, that conversation is going to have to happen in 2022. And uh, bring on the Sheffield Street fights for Joseph Connors, I say. Yeah, but... <laughs> You'll be front row, mate. Oh, one, yeah, one, definitely. Martin, Marty, one more thing. Um, anyone looking for a wrestling ring, a roping T-bone gets released. Cause, uh... <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, he was. He, yeah, if you were a Northern Wrestling promoter, he was the guy, weren't he, with the uh, wrestling ring for years, weren't he? Yeah, but... Um, I suppose speaking of releases and things like that, we have um, two names from these shows in, in Drake Maverick, formerly Spud, and Tegan Knox, who wrestled all over the UK as Nixon Newell. Uh, Spud released another video as he did last time he was released, although this time it hasn't seemed to save his job again. And and, and Tegan's a big one, isn't she? Obviously been really, really unlucky um, since she's moved out to the US, you now picking up a number of long-term injuries, and it was a really sad story there. And, and family seemed to have... have found some footing on, on SmackDown. Um, I suppose, as we do talk with, with these releases, I suppose thoughts on where they head next. Do they stay in the US, come back to the UK, do a bit of a mini tour of Europe, and then, you know, decide what they're going to do next. Um, I suppose, do you see the likes of Spud going back to Impact? Um, what do you see happening to, uh, to Tegan Knox as well, Bennett? Yeah, I, th- I think, you know, as, as much as they can, I think they're probably going to do the best to stay in America. I think they've both got you know, partners who, who live there and they're going to want to keep that going and, and stay there. They're both like very, very, very talented people in different ways. Like I've got a real soft spot for, you know, the former rock star Spud Drake Maverick. Like I do think he's someone who, you know, you talk about, you know, I know it's an age old thing in wrestling, but, you know, making the most of what you're given. Is there ever been a rest, you know, pound for pound who's made more of what he's been given, no matter where he is in his career, whether it was, you know, early on in the Brit Res scene, whether it was, you know, like you say, when he he did get picked up by by Impact and shined in that British boot camp that was certainly designed for Marty to get over, but it was it was him that got over instead. And then, you know, we had for my money, you know, one or two of, of Impact's greatest matches slash feuds of all time with with EC3. Went to WWE, was given barely fucking anything. But when he was there, you know, on TV, whether it was the stupid angle where he pissed himself or the 24-7 title stuff, he made the most of every minute he got. You know, we all, we kind of made fun a little bit of, you know, the the crying promo when he got sacked um, last time. But, you know, he made the story out of it, got himself hired again. This time he's done it again, but, you know, made it more of a, you know, you know, snap out of it. I love that, that, you know, that twist on it, that, you know, he played that crying promo again and turned it into kind of like a, a motivational thing that even John Cena of all people was, was, was raving about. Like that is such a creative person that it's going to offer something to your wrestling company, whoever you are. Do I think AEW are going to sign him? Probably not. I could see him back up in, back in impact, which would, be a bit of a step backwards compared to the impact he was in in the past, but I could see him getting regular work there. I could see him turning up in an NWA 
obviously Ring of Honor is not an option anymore but you know he's just someone I kind of trust to, to land on his feet no matter what happened and happens and yeah briefly Nixon Newell yeah, she's you know she has been cursed you know by injuries and by you know haphazard creative you know getting called up to the main roster and as far part of an act that they clearly then didn't fancy and then being being booted out the door that's that's a real sad one but again you know she's someone who you know, outside bet could see turn up in AW. They could always do with uh, with better women's talent. They could always do with European talents if they've got real designs on on coming over here next year. Um, yeah, I think they're both just people who are very very talented and talented people. You know, cream tends to rise and talented people tend to land on their feet. And I think the both of them are going to be safe as houses. But I, I can't imagine it being in this country. I think they'll end up somewhere um, in the US or or internationally. Yeah, Andy, uh, Ben raises a good point there. If uh, AWR and about doing a, a big show over here, obviously, you know, the brand will, will sell itself, but then I'm sure they do want some homegrown stars. And, you know, we've got the likes of Pac and Anthony Agogo and that, but, you know, Nixon Newell would be a perfect person to sort of like, you know, have a, a big homecoming show to the UK. Sorry, just to say quickly, you've, you've just hit something there, Martin. Aren't WWE doing a big show in, in Wales next year? Like, isn't that's just left hand not knowing what the right hand is doing, isn't it? Why would you want not want Nixon Mule on your roster if that's happening? Oh, um, yeah, sorry. totally forgotten about that. We discussed yeah. that a while back, didn't we? Yeah, that's oh, that's ridiculous. Yeah, if you want someone, you know, the big Welsh superstar, you know, maybe not to win the title, but have a big match with Becky Lynch or something like that on your uh, oh. big show in Wales. Yeah, it'll have to be ridiculous. Flash on the but, uh, anyway, sorry, Andy. <laughs> <Not> Andrews, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no. The, my my initial thought was like, well, oh, she'd be very good in a, a in a, in um, AEW, uh, but as well, she can make a fuck ton of money doing Twitch and playing video games, which um, mm. she already does with that up up down down thing. Mm. So, uh, yeah, she's probably better off doing that for about six months and see how the scene lies and uh, what have you. I think with Drake Maverick when that uh, when I seen his promo come up, I thought, oh god. Not that, not this again. But no, it was it was very inventive, and whatever the WWE ever asked of him, he did. So no, I think with him, I probably see going well an impact uh, more than likely or an NWA, and also that promotion. What EC three has that free the narrative. Or oh some, yeah, yeah, probably end up doing stuff with that. But no, nah, they'll, they'll, they'll both land on the feet. They're both good, very good talents. But a shame Tegan Knotts never got her uh, women's tag team title shot with Shotzi Blackheart. Never happened. They won it, never got it. <laughs> there you go. This is a WWE in 2021. Um, I mean, well, sticking with WWE, did anyone, I didn't watch NXT War Games. I know you did, but I know any sort of like, Oh, to write home about in terms of like Pete Dunne, Kaylee Ray, Grizzled Young Lex for all so on the show, weren't they? Just kind of like watched it, just sad, like thinking, remember Pete Dunne? <laughs> He's going through the motions, doing all the spots in this meaningless War Games main event where quite clearly the focus has been switched from wrestlers like him to, like you say, a, you know, a, a rough wrestler with a boxer gimmick. And to be fair, you know, Rick Stein is a very entertaining son, but you know that's not the the promotion. It isn't a promotion that's built for someone like him anymore. You know, I think I kind of felt the same bit about about Kaylee Ray, unless she escapes and makes it to main roster soon. I don't think see things um, ending great for her hair either. 
Um, yeah, I think if you're Pete Dawn, you know, you sign that in the, that WWE contract whilst this was kind of already in the news and we at least had a feeling that, you know, things were, were changing at, at the uh, the NXT level, but it kind of changed beyond, you know, everything we imagined and his biggest backers, you know, your Triple H's and your Shawn Michaels of the world don't feel like they, they have that much power anymore. Um, but yeah, I wonder what he, if you ask them what he thinks about signing that long-term contract now, maybe, maybe he just likes, you know, if he likes money and he likes, you know, to be a WWE superstar, then great. But yeah, when we talk about that pipeline earlier, but, you know, using Joseph Connors as an example, Pete Dunne's one where I think the ship sailed on a Raw or SmackDown run. I kind of have, and I kind of do, and I don't think, uh, watching him on that show, I didn't really think uh, he's he's going to be a, you know, a real commodity um, in NXT 2.0 anymore. No, yeah, it, 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 it's, it's, it just seems like he's going to be treading water there now, doesn't it, Andy, I think? Mm. Uh, to be honest, I think they're more interested in uh, Neanderthal man Von Wagner than uh, mm. Pete Dunne at the moment. Mm. Oh, nice. I, I, I still watch NXT 2.0, but it's just a sad state of affairs. Yeah, yeah, that's all I'm hearing. I, I don't keep up with NXT at all, but yeah, it just seems like um, that's all that's coming out from, like, especially the Up Next guys uh, don't seem to be yeah. like, overawed with it, and that's where Ooh. I get sort of like most of my reviews from. It's kind of weird watching Gibson um, and Drake as well. Um, because like you, you see them, like they clearly, you know, back when NXT was something else, shut up shop their wrestling school, move themselves to Florida, you know, all with the idea of being part of you know NXT and expecting a portion. I watch this show, and you know, they're again, they're still there, but they feel like they're from a bygone era of NXT, and they're doing like these weird promos on the street where the it's kind of like the the con men kind of. I don't think they were yeah. leaning into the uh, the scouser narrative, but they were. They stole some bloke's phone and then ordered some Uber Eats and then ate all the food, and that was the punchline. It was so weird. It was like you know, remind it reminds me of like that era when WWE got all those jobbers in, like you know, uh, TL Hopper and those types of characters. Like they're giving everyone these weird wacky kind of personalities, and that seems to be theirs. Like yeah, the future doesn't look bright for them either. They've even they've even got their own version of the uh, the budget smoking guns, uh, Briggs and Jensen. Oh. <laughs> I've got to admit, I do want to see some of these skits. I mean, the way you describe Benno, they sound absolutely hilarious. I don't know if they uh, obviously are intended to be that way, but yeah, you're a fan of toilet humor, mate. Yeah, I've got the show for you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's uh, that's Vince all over that, isn't it? Uh, toilet mm. humor, but. Um, I mean, speaking of Brits and Raw, Jamie Hayter has uh, become firmly embedded in AEW, part of the team with Britt Baker and Rebel, and uh, been having some fun matches with the likes of Thunder Rosa on Dynamite recently. Uh, definitely teasing a break, partner, between her and Britt and Rebel. Obviously, she's not doing the DMD sign. It seemed that Britt might have cost her the match against Thunder Rosa, but um, Jamie Hayter uh, seems to be embedding herself uh, well into AEW, Andy. Yeah, nah, she's been she's been excellent over the last uh, few weeks. Uh, got a cracking theme tune as well. Good bit of like trans music for you. Uh, but now nah, that that match with uh, Thunder Rosa was excellent. I think I went four stars on it on Grapple. It was just like all out action, just both, both ladies giving it everything. Uh, the, the stuff with the um, with Britt Baker, he's seemingly been teasing it for good about three months now. It's very similar to. Uh, Wardlow and MJF, just like when's it gonna happen, sort of thing. Um, as well, there, there was a match with Jamie Ater and Riho yeah. on um, Dynamite this week, was which was very, very good. Um, just just didn't lose anything in defeat as well, even though there was nothing 
um, like interference wise that cost her the match. Um, it was it was very clean, but now nah, I've been yeah. I've been impressed with Jamie Hater. She's been they very kept, good. They kept her strong in that. And to be honest, I was watching. I stayed up late to watch Dynamite last night, and if you know Rio Jamie Hater, it felt like a possible build-up match to doing and it is to doing you know Rio and Britt Baker and are they gonna have a better match than that probably not <laughs> I think that's the problem with having Jamie Haters the the junior and Britt Baker stable as over as Britt Baker is as a character you know she's hardly you know that this polished product in ring and I think Jamie Haters kind of got a beat um that what but put those two matches together they're as good as as good as uh the women's matches have been you know on AWTV or matches have been on AWTV in general yeah it's rare I go I'm same as Andy I went four stars on on that match on uh for this week's dynamite just because it was just it was so hard hitting with some great great near falls near the end as well and Jamie Hater seems to be getting over I think the you know the American fans who weren't familiar with her going yeah, in uh, yeah really getting into it and i think it's just through yeah that, that strength of her work and that she's offering yeah something different and making the most of her opportunity i'll look forward to watching that match itv4 on friday night um yeah i am that one guy who's uh yeah still watching it on itv4 but um, <laughs> yeah i mean it is and also where do you think um sort of like a ceiling is if she carries on having great matches like this and and things like that i mean certainly she's going to be having a, a match with brit baker down the line isn't she yeah, well, I think you'd imagine so. And I think the thing is, like, AW started, uh, you know, a men's division with Chris Jericho, and then they got Moxley, and there were obvious big stars. I think the women's division, the the dirty secret about it is, it's it had to be, you know, pretty much homegrown talent or you know, Joshi talent. It didn't start with big stars, but uh, and that's maybe why it suffered in a, in a lot of ways, as well as you know, maybe the the strength of depth in in the division. But, you know, someone as good as Jamie Hayter, it means you can come in and you can rise up those ranks very quickly. You know, she's a, a lot bigger than a lot of, you know, the other women in there. You just kind of saw that with the in the Rio match um, last night. So she offers something different in that regard. Yeah, if they're going to, to this Britt Baker feud and match, then, yeah, she she literally, I think the ceiling is as, as high as she wants it to be. I think you could, you could absolutely make her a, a key player in the division. And very, very experienced as well, obviously, you know, uh, you know, wrestled all over Europe and has some really lengthy tours with stardom and the like. So she's yeah, very experienced. So uh, onwards and upwards. Uh, well, she could be. Uh, perhaps they don't need Nixon. You'll she could be the big uh, <laughs> Brit- Brit- British star if they do come over here. But um, just some couple final news stories before we get into Andy's roundup of um, of the undergraps. Uh, we spoke about WXW and Sixteen Carat uh, last month. They've made the announcement that Walter is going to be returning to the company to face off against Cara Noir for their. December 18th, 21st anniversary show. Uh, were you expecting this one, Benno? I mean, uh, Walter seems to be in some kind of weird purgatory where he seems to be done with NXT UK, but, um, you know, there don't seem to be any firm plans for him going to America or anything at the moment. So uh, I guess it was it kind of like WXW were like, well, you're not doing anything with him. Can we have him for our big anniversary show? Yeah, probably. And he's been pretty much off us in WXW, you know, in, in recent years so i'm sure they had that inside track knowing he was going to be around probably back for christmas as well you know um, so it made sense to uh to get a booking with him but yeah he's in this weird place because he did that house show loop obviously and we saw the fan cam footage of, uh, of him and cesaro and that felt like a trial of sorts can i really see him in main roster wwe i can't not based on the way things are, are being run at the minute like in a competent company could see him turning up at the Royal Rumble and smashing through you know 15 people having a face off with Brock Lesnar and there's your Wrestlemania match yes but we're not talking about a competent company we're talking about WWE aren't we so yeah he does seem to be in a, a bit of purgatory at the minute 
And he doesn't really fit in with that NXT 2.0 thing, I suppose, either, does he? I mean, he's, he's obviously not that old, but he doesn't mm. seem to be fitting in with the, uh, you know, American athlete sort of thing they seem to be going for with the latest signings and things like that. But, um, yeah, it'll be just maybe a weird slap a one. hosing on him. You know, dress yeah. up in, uh, in green like he did when he did that Japan tour. Maybe that'll be the uh, the way forward to give him a character. Oh, dear God. Yeah, put him in that singlet again. Uh, <laughs> the, that picture that was going around yesterday. Uh, but I suppose another story that kind of came out of left field, um, um, reported by the Western Observer and um, a few other news sites. So ITV, obviously the second biggest network here in the UK and home to AEW Dynamite, are going to be doing a, a special on Eddie Guerrero. I mean... This really came out of nowhere, and obviously it was reported by the Wrestling Observer. No further news on what the special is, but a really odd story, I thought. that There must be someone at ITV that's a wrestling fan, Andy. I mean, there must be someone who pushed for that World of Sport comeback and is keeping AEW around on ITV4. Yeah, he's, uh, he's, very, he's very much out of left field, unless he just found it. Oh, we've got an hour to fill on ITV4. What can we do? Wrestling fan in corner, what do you want? Oh, Eddie Guerrero, please. <laughs> All right. It's just, just yeah. It, it might probably be, you know, a good a good thing for him to do. But, yeah, I can't, I can't see anything but being on one of the uh, 120 channels on, on Sky for myself. Mm. What do you think it's going to be, Ben? Some kind of documentary? Or, I mean, what footage have they got of Eddie Guerrero that's going to be any different to what you see in, in any of the documentaries that we've got out there? And who are they going to even have in it? Maybe they'll dig out that uh, King of England tournament stuff from FWA. Maybe that's what it is. Somebody got their hands on that tape. And it's like, like, yeah. is a talking head. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Mm. Let's make a documentary out of it. Um, I read it in the Observer and was just kind of, I was melting at the wrong end of the stick. <laughs> like, because ITV, mm. uh, you know, in bed with AEW as much as, you know, they ever are, you know, they don't really seem to care about that relationship. But an Eddie Guerrero documentary of all things seems like the most random thing, doesn't it? I just yeah. don't really understand. If they were doing like a, you know, a world of sport look back and they were speaking to Lister and they were doing that, that would make sense. But if they haven't got, yeah, WWE footage, which you won't imagine they would, they don't have a WWE relationship either. Completely bizarre to me. Yeah, I don't really see what form this takes. Yeah, it, would, it wouldn't seem like a left field if they'd done one sort of like, say, about the British Bulldog or a Dynamite Kid or maybe sort of like a Big Daddy retrospective or something like that. But Eddie Guerrero just seems like picked out in a way. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see, you know, if something like that does come to fruition or like, say, for Dave Meltz has got the wrong end of the stick on that one. But um, Andy, obviously, it's been a busy year of wrestling for you. Uh, what are some of the highlights of, of the shows you've been to um, in late November, early December? Yeah, so um, quite a few of the highlights. Um, Tidal's done a couple of shows in uh, the parish at Uddersfield. Um, nice upstairs room of a of a bar. Holds, holds about 90 to 100 people. They've been near, near enough near enough filling it, I would say. There's not, mu- not much room for manoeuvring there. Um, some of the highlights were from like November, Callum Newman and Brady Phillips. Brady Phillips' names keep pops popping up this year, and uh, same with Callum Newman. I did expect this to be a more high flying, like encounter, but but more a bit more technical work in this one. Uh, Brady Phillips ended up winning, and yeah, Will Cruz. Um, he's another name that keeps popping up uh, regularly. Um, had a great match against Robbie X. Uh, both very similar style matches to this one and the uh, Newman and Brady Phillips. 
the, um, the the show overall in November was a very consistent show. Like there was no absolutely no no shit on it. The one in December though, uh, one match that stood out and probably one that will be on my match of the year live match of the year list will be uh, Tom Fellwell and uh, Luke Jacobs, uh, a match that wasn't supposed to happen. Uh, there was quite a few changes to the car due to like injuries to wrestlers and what have you. So uh, now it was a nice surprise to see uh, Fellwell and Jacobs facing off for the first time in... Uh, I think Fellwell were telling me that they've known each other for seven years and this was the first singles match they'd, they'd ever had, which is just unbelievable to think of. But and you're saying that's there. one of your matches of the year then? Yes, yes. Oh, wow. Um, Is this show making BOD? I'd love to see that. Yes, it's a, it should turn up on IWTV. Um, right. The basis of the match was just Luke Jacobs just giving poor Fellwell a twatting. He was just like, fucking fire up, why don't you? And like, he just wild booting Fellwell in the chest and just Fellwell working underneath. He eventually like fired up back and, but. Luke it, it like free like free hard Larry. It's just like crack right round the head each time. Um it was about fit about 15 minutes long, got a standing ovation at the end. Yeah, just really, really good. Um other stuff went to uh BWR at Clee Forts for their um last show of the year. Uh near enough a sellout crowd, same as last time. Excuse me. Um, the, the, it was a t- like a total of like eight matches on the card. The um, I would say the first half was much better. They had uh Brady Phillips and Will Cruz, uh, which is the third time they faced off against each other. Uh, the, the other two times one was in London for Tidal, and the other one was for uh Bree Pro Wrestling in Sheffield. So they've been very spaced out, and it was another good addition to their um, their matches. More, more worked in, um, I don't know, a more, hol- it was not holiday camp style, but like similar to what NGW did, uh, where like crews were playing, like playing up to the crowd and doing all, like the whole Colgan routine, cupping his ears and that. But no, very, very good match. Um, we also had Two Bit and Scotty Rock. Two Bit, uh, well, both lads have been excellent on the scene in the last six months. Uh, Two two bits like um like a like a gritty a gritty baddies always looking for like sleeper olds and working on legs and what have you. Scotty Rort's a very good high flyer and uh, getting all the bookings he, des- he rightfully deserves at the moment. Uh, that was good. And uh, but best match of the night was the uh, Anarchy briefcase match, which was like a ladder match. Now. I've seen too many bloody ladder matches um, mm. to last a lifetime, but that this this was really good. Uh, with uh, Ricky Knight Jr., Callum Newman, uh, Miles Kamen, uh, Rory Coyle, Ace Matthews, and Tyler Devlin. Now Tyler Devlin's like uh, BWR's resident like nutcase. He'll just be thrown off like you know tall ledges and what have you. Said. And well, during this he got. Um, power slammed onto like the corner of a ladder in the ring and also got like chucked off the side of a ladder through um, like onto a ladder on the outside and then the ladder that he fell off ended up toppling over the ring rope and falling on top of him as well so he nice. had all like the uh, 
St John's ambulance running, <laughs> running to him to make sure he were all right. But um, now there was that, and well, the main event was uh, Joe Hendry um, against uh, Robbie X, which uh, Robbie X eventually won. And then they did um, an angle at the end where they fought Ricky Knight Jr. at cashing um, his briefcase, what he just won, on uh, Robbie X. But um didn't happen. And uh, it turned out uh, good old Joseph Connors uh, made his uh, running from the crowd to attack uh, Robbie X. Um, Joseph Connors, is, well, found out like was a BWR champion for quite a few months and Quite a bit of a bit of a Grimsby legend up there, so interesting to see where it goes. Uh, I'll more than likely make the trip, um, make the trip back up to Cleethorpes, even though it's nearly enough three hours from my house, and uh, like a train every hour up there. But now I think I think they've got a good promotion um, going on up there, and uh, good luck to them for twenty twenty two. That's about it. Right, yeah, yeah, definitely want to check out that um that Selwell and um and Phillips match. Yeah, definitely looking forward to seeing that. But um so as we've come towards the end of the show and um Benno, uh, what's been going on for uh, Grapple Towers uh, this past month? Yeah, I was gonna say Brit Res might be dead, but a uh, British wrestling podcast and still lives. Uh, or at least British podcasts. Um, we're still we're still around. So yeah, no, you catch me over there on Grapple as uh, as well as here talking the world of wrestling. Uh, this last week we did a Steve Austin and ECW uh, special over on uh, our Patreon. We're going to be doing a, a Kenny Omega uh, title retrospective um, this weekend as well. And yeah, on the main show we uh, after missing a week caught up on some uh, some AEW talk some now and yeah the rest of the wrestling world. So you can get that. Uh, we're all good podcasters soul searching the word grapple with no e and yeah, the other thing uh to tomorrow or today probably by the time people are listening i'm going to be on the uh the post uh new show uh on youtube with uh with john and wyatt uh, at six o'clock uh uk time uh previewing i think uh final battle from from ring of honor the final battle under underline the word the uh, final mm. air and uh talking all the day's news so yeah really excited to be doing that too yeah it's all fantastic great stuff as always when are we getting uh benno versus matty edwards <laughs> it's coming don't worry he's, uh, he's been uh, talking about uh, he'll, he'll turn up to me else at some point we'll just do it anyway um, but yeah that will be uh, that is after we did the, uh, the the five to one with Matty I think he's uh, going to be back by popular demand at this point I know people uh, scratch their heads at, uh, at some of his uh, top five wrestlers of all time including Ed Randy Orton Roman Reigns but if you know Matty you're, uh, you know he'll justify those points and he, uh, he definitely did on that podcast yeah, he was absolutely brilliant on that. Yeah, that's that's like one of the best episodes you've ever done. I think I absolutely love listening to that. It was brilliant. And uh, oh, Andy, what about you? Got going off on on graps and claps. I know you not don't only just do sort of like your live shows that you attend. You also do some like retro reviews and things like that as well, don't you? Yes, we do. Uh, we did one recently with um, Alan Forel and uh, Kieran Lafort about uh, Shingo Yokozuka Free from uh, Dragon Gate UK, which was like ten years ago. So just like reminiscing of our our time in Nottingham that weekend, it was a really good podcast to do that one, and uh, yeah, be, uh, hopefully get Alan on uh, again sometime to do another uh, Dragon Gate UK show. Uh, we've also got um, coming up um, reviews from uh, North North Wrestling uh, Tidal at Leeds Museums doing a double header. I'm making a, a trip to Preston for PCW only the second wow. one. It, it used to be about 25 times to Preston a year, only the two this year. Uh, we've also got the uh, Graps and Claps Awards and uh, 
also stuff from our um, southern branch as well. I think there's um, like Purpose Wrestling and uh, Rep, uh, another Red Pro to sh- show to come up this year. So uh, give it a listen, grab some claps audio um, on all good podcast sites. Follow me, Oggy Part 3. Uh, go Twitter um, at Graps and Claps. Uh, go to Linktree. Yeah, give us your money. Happy days. Indeed. Um, yeah, I think I've got all those uh, Dragon Gate UK shows on DVD. I think a merchandise said especially you could buy a bunch of them, you know, in a block yeah. sort of thing. And I watched them a while back, but yeah, I definitely want to revisit them at some point. It's just uh, finding time to do it. But um, for me, uh, Ben, I mentioned earlier, I was on the sesh with Davey Foreman talking Succession and more specifically episode seven, Too Much Birthday. Always a, a good time talking to Davey and had lots of fun doing that show. Definitely go and check it in my brain now on the Up Next Patreon. Lots of fun shows that those guys do. Recently did a cracking review of The Warriors. Really enjoyed that one. A great film. That's another one that I want to go back and rewatch. Uh, no Bushby and Thompson at the end of the month. Instead, it's going to be the... The big fat wrestling quiz of the year. We're going to have three teams of two answering questions from uh, the year that was uh, wrestling 2021. Uh, team's going to be Andy and Benno. Then we're going to have uh, Andrew Thompson and Kate from Montreal. And then finally, it's going to be Davey Portman and uh, John Cena. So, uh, yeah, really looking forward to that one. Uh, guys, have you been squatting up on uh, what was going on in uh, WWE in January? Mm. No, was I supposed to? Shit. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's Andy's. No, that's your category, Andy. It's fine. I'll, uh, I'll, yeah, no. I'll cover I'll cover the undergraphs. Oh, wait, no, shit. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. There's, uh, there'll be sort of lot, uh, lots of uh, um, sort of like the post regulars and stuff like throwing in questions as well. So, not just me asking those. So, yeah, that should be landing around the 23rd of December. And yeah, this is our last episode of the year. So just thanks to everyone for for listening. Huge shout out to anyone that's listened, guested or contributed to the show in any way. Andy, been fantastic having you on board full time. It's been a it's been a great year of shows. Raised a lot of money for charity, close to my heart. And who knows what we'll see in twenty twenty two. So have a great Christmas, everybody. Happy holidays and happy new year. And we'll catch you on the other side. <laughs>